Welcome to the Lesbo and the Bean universe. Lesbo and the Bean. L-A-T-B. Lat-B. Where mixed martial arts and the UFC get silly. Big silly. Buckle up and move your tray tables to their upright position. And please, somebody shut that baby up. It's time for Lesbo and the Bean. Welcome back. Welcome back. We got a heavy duty breakdown. Episode 149. Here we go. We're bringing it to you at Lesbo and the Bean. We got a 13-card bout. Before we get into this 13-card pay-per-view, is there anything we want to hit on? There's been a lot going on, on the in the MMA world, but uh, I am actually fairly excited for this card, even though a lot of people have been shitting on it. It's no 229, but of course, it's over. Time to move on. Next Time step to move forward. on. It's not Conor McGregor and Khabib. Khabib. <laughs> but I'm excited for it. I... There's other stuff going on in MMA, but we can talk about that next week. I think this card's so big, we can just jump right in. Unless there's something crazy that you want to talk that about. Is, I mean, there's been some fun interviews going around online. Cejudo on Joe Rogan and... I did not watch that one yet. I watched um, Tony Hinchcliffe. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that I one. I think they I were only both yesterday. MMAs. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that I think makes they were sense. both. Yeah, I might be wrong, but I think they both came out yesterday. And so I only had time for one. Or it was probably showed me the latest, and then I didn't get to the Cejudo one. Right. Did we? Was it official that Ben Askren was on? He's officially signed. Did we already get yes. into the doubt that? All We've that, already done. covered it. Done, done, done. We've said we're excited for DJ. We're happy for him going the over there. The T-Wood conspiracy, was that just online, or did we break that down on the show? Because I do feel like there was a Twitter presence that ended up getting a little bit of... I think I just put it go. online. I loved it, though. <laughs> I thought it got a good amount of interaction, and it's totally true. I see the potential for Ben Askren taking out Woodley. So Ben Askren, the conspiracy at Latby is that Ben Askren is specifically coming to take out Tyrone Woodley because Dana White hates the black man so much that he'll do anything. Not exactly that. I don't that. know if it's the Not black exactly man or just that. T. Woods. <laughs> but Ben Askren and T. Woods are friends and T. Or ben Askren's good enough apparently. Yes. Um, I did hear snippets only, it might be in my sleep or maybe this morning while I was getting ready for work. Of Suhudo talking about just how good Ben Askren was? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And it's very true um, in his whole career. But Ben Askren is a bit older in his career. And T. Woods and him do have long-time training ties. So if there's a person who knows or who's already spent 100 hours with Ben Askren, it's been Tyron Woodley. So interesting potential bout there. But... Ben Askren against anyone. Ben Askren already said there's enough guys for me to fight without having to prove that I'm a great fighter without, without having belt. to fight. T-Wood. Do you think that that's a bit of a friendship where they're like, nah, homie, I'll make my own money. We don't we don't have to do that yet. Yeah, well, I feel some guys for Ben Askren, he seems like he's made tons of money. All the guys that are going to one that we're hearing about, Eddie Alvarez, I'm sure Demetrius will end up with a far better contract than he had at the UFC. Um, oh yeah. I'm under the impression Ben Askren has probably made a shit ton of money over there. He did. And now he's coming over here for legacy only. Like, it's not about money. He might not have Connor money, but he has a lot more money than most other guys. I would agree. He's probably sitting up there with GSP, honestly. I don't think so. Under Armour was humongous compared to anything. Not that Ben Askren hasn't gotten paid, but GSP money was. That was Connor McGregor money before Connor McGregor money. 
But GSP didn't even make John Jones money. I was about to say that John Jones had that ninety million dollars got taken right away. Woo! What a fun MMA life we live in. It's only gonna get deeper with all of the speculation and all of the weight classes. I mean, it's on the tip of everybody's tongue. Everybody's waiting for what's happening now that a trade essentially has happened in between the UFC and these lower promotions, which hasn't officially happened prior to now that the UFC and the organization are like, okay. Here we okay. go. We'll give you a Maybe guy not for a even guy. close to GSP money. <laughs> GSP's worth a lot more than I thought. Oh, yeah. What do you think GSP was worth? I was going to say like $123 million or oh, something. He's worth like 30 Oh, woo! But I thought he was Why am be, I crazy? He, I thought he was going to be crazy. worth like 12 I thought over the years he's put his money into that. He's been smart with it because I bet he's. Uh, I, I thought he got National Geographic money. That's why, I, or I mean, History Channel money. Yeah, I don't think that's good money. <laughs> I don't think that's good money. That propaganda station. Oh, that's for a different show. A different show. Definitely a different show. But other than that, in the MMA world, um, nothing officially falling out that I can think of. If not you, that I know of either. If you got nothing else, let's get to this breakdown. Breakdown UFC 230 Daniel Cormier versus the Black Beast. Coming out of Madison Square Garden, this main event is going to be in the heavyweight division, but you know how we like to do it here. Two. I hated on this fight at first. And I now, hated on it, and now I'm excited about it. I would agree with I always thought it was a fun fight, but I like I like most fights. So I like the sponsors are finally coming in. I'm sure we'll get to it more towards the end. But officially late breaking, Derek Lewis is sponsored by Popeyes. And I think you said that on the last show. That if they don't do it. That there's potential of that. Yeah, like why don't like, you guys do it? You how predicted you missed, it. How do you miss an opportunity there? Derek Lewis has been repping you guys nonstop. The only thing that I absolutely hate about that, and I know we're jumping a bit of the gun, is that whenever Derek Lewis is done, whenever that is, He's going to be a 450-pound man. I think his body looks better right now, though, than it ever has. I'd agree with that. His cardio looks better right now than it ever has, which is not (laughs) its same whatever. (laughs) 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 It's same whatever. The question that I have is Daniel Cormier, if he wins, will he be the colonel for Kentucky Fried Chicken? Will he be the next colonel? I love that. I absolutely love that. And KFC has a good marketing brand that they get celebrities that are unique. If you're out of the country or out of the country, there's this uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't even think it's called that anymore. It's KFC. KFC. And they used to have this old, like, plantation owner. (laughs) That's pretty much what the Colonel was. The Colonel's huge in Japan and all Asia. It's unreal. Um, How big they are. So, yeah, if you don't know these commercials, famous people uh, dress up as the colonel <laughs> and play at comedians and oh. whatever. So why not Daniel Cormier? I and since it. Popeyes is back in the Black Beast, Daniel Cormier? I totally agree. He got that chicken, got that chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so, from the bottom to the top, we start off the night with the heavyweights, end it with the heavyweights, and it is Adam Wizerick, Siwi himself against Marco Rodeggio. De Lima, both of these fighters have fought in the UFC before. 10-1, and Siwi comes in with a huge, as a huge underdog, as Lesbo predicted against Boulard, who we just saw get a controversial decision in his last fight. Not controversial, but a decision a week ago. De Lima has been a 15-5-1 fighter, 
fought multiple times in the UFC, jumped from 205 to 265, is known as a Muay Thai striker, has never shot a takedown his entire career of Latin America and every UFC fight. Then Lima goes in there to bang, and he is a kill or be killed type of a fighter. He swings for the fences, throws one and two punch combinations. They have all of the power in it. If he misses, he gets out of position and gets knocked out, and that chin has not looked the best as of late. The 33-year-old fighter looks like he's 40 to me at times in there with some of the limited movement that he's had. He's been fighting for a long time. And striking-wise, he has a big advantage to me over Seaweed. Seaweed looked like he was losing that striking against Boulard, who isn't that good striking we just saw. And DeLima has a big, big advantage. The thing is that if Wizard gets this to the ground even once, DeLima also has very suspect submission defense. So Seaweed will be able to submit him after one takedown. It's just whether he can get him down to the ground. I got a controversial call. I got a TKO round number one. You burn me once, you can't burn me again. I'm picking against Siwi, the big favorite of the night. You know how we like to do here at Latvia and stay away from the first fight of the night. I'm going to stay away, but I got a big underdog first fight of the night. I think this is a setup fight. You know, I love Siwi. I don't think I've ever picked against Siwi, and that is doing me good. I'm not going to change that now for Lima or because he don't got no submission defense. If he's going to get finished, it's by a submission. Um, I do agree. I see what you're saying about a susceptible chin. I just... I think the Lima actually has more of a susceptible chin than Seaweed. Yeah, Seaweed doesn't have good hands, though. I, that's where I'm not worried about it, but... Seaweed's not going to try to stand and throw with Lima. Uh, um, I don't know. I think this is a Seaweed's fight to lose, and I think he's going to submit him in round one or two. Wow, so would this be a DraftKings play? Because it's a finish, we see. We like to stay away from And these. for business side of it, with... Joanna versus um, Shevchenko and this huge, and that's a Canada card and Seawee. I think they could build a huge Poland card. They have some Polish stars and they need some male Polish stars. They have tons of female Polish stars. Oh, they got, so, they got a good amount of them, don't they? They, like, for, for us, they Jutko, are. Jutko, yeah, for hardcore fans. Yeah, but I think Seawee, with starting off the night, I wonder why this is first. This is a weird fight to put first. In the I night. would agree. Both of these guys have multiple fights in the UFC. There's other guys that are debuting ish or have one or two. And honestly, Both of these guys have three, four fights. I'm freaking a little bummed. Like I was so high on at um, Seaweed, but I'm not gonna put him too many places because he's he's too big of a moderate favorite, and that makes me a little sad. I thought this fight was gonna be closer. I thought I'm, he was gonna be the favorite, but not so heavily. I would agree with that. And big. Favorite, as you're saying, he is a minus 295 or minus 300 against the plus 425 underdog for DeLima on DraftKings, 8,600 for Siwi. DeLima goes for 7,600. I'm not going to put this too many places because I, I don't like that. when the first fight of the night ruins my night. <laughs> and that's why we tend to stay away. Solid play here by Lappy. On to... The 145ers, we have a stylistic, fan-friendly fight with Shane Burgos coming in versus Kurt Hollibaugh. This has 
showcase fight written all over it. Both of these gentlemen like to stand. Both of them got good takedown defense. Both of them are serviceable on the ground, but neither one really likes to get there. They both like to keep it striking. Kurt Hollibaugh is 17-5. and five. He has lost his last bout against... Who do we have here? It was uh, three months ago to Rioni Barsolis. TKO. Prior to that, he was coming out of the Titan scene. Hollibaugh was a short-notice fighter on that. And if he can't get through Barsolis, Shane Burgos coming off of his first loss of his 10-1 career, he was a big... He had a lot of hype coming out. Um, people said he was a contender immediately because he's been finishing everybody. And I think that's more to happen here. He lost to Qatar, who we've seen Qatar is legitimate top 10 fighter. I don't think that Qatar loss looks bad at all in, as their careers go on. That Qatar loss isn't going to look that bad. Who lost to Qatar? Shane Burgos, first TKO ever. He's the first loss he's ever had. Oh, wait, Shane Burgos. Where are we on that? Where's Shane Burgos? Oh, wait, you oh, skipped. where am I? How did I... I always am skipping one. Brian Kelleher versus Montel Jackson. Woo! I get... <laughs> you can finish that one, though, and we can yeah, go back to I, I was just going to say, I got Shane Burgos just because it's too big of a step up from the last fight for Hollibaugh. Hollibaugh lost again to Barcelona's short notice. I like what I saw, but Burgos is just, he lost to a top 10 guy who's not top 10 yet, and Burgos is going to be a top 10 guy very quickly. Tons of power in his strikes. I think this is actually going to be a finish, TKO round number one, but I see a lot of people seeing that as well. How do you feel this one finishes? Ugh, both guys are coming off a knockout, and I think it's crazy because Hollibaugh actually has more experience. Yeah. Isn't that weird to think about? Totally. Ugh. I don't know. Is he going to go back to submitting? You know how we always say ground guys like to fall in love with their hands. Burgos had a nasty knockout. He did wait enough time before he comes back. But I really like everything Burgos is working with. This is a banger, this fight. Right? This That's is what I was crazy. saying. This, this is, is a, a really another banger. This could be a fight of the night for sure. I'm going with Burgos, and I think it's going to be a knockout. I really don't like that Holobaz coming in so quick here. This is, I think this is going to be a hard weight cut a little bit, and he might be chinny. And that makes me bummed out. I just think I wish he would have waited the other two months. For Holobob, yeah. for sure. But Burgos, Burgos is the real deal, months, I think. Yeah. He is, and he just, again, had a really tough fight. Sneaky tough fight in guitar. Burgos, 9,000 on DraftKings, minus 300 favorite against Holobob, 7,200. The only side to pick here is Burgos for me. I don't see myself putting Hollibaugh anywhere. I don't even see this going to decision. Pretty much see a finish round number one or two. Burgos I have round hard. two for Burgos. I got it round one, but I feel like if I can put Burgos on cards, I'm gonna. I just feel like this could be a fight of the night, but I feel like this is going to be a one-sided fight of the night, and that side's going to be Shane Burgos. Stepping back, pardon me, I ended up jumping the gun a little bit, and... Sorry to my boy, boom, Brian Kelleher. And I thought you were first because, I, you know, I don't pick my cards until we get here. And so when you were scrolling, talking about Burgos, I just assumed one of these guys had fought him of recent. So I <laughs> thought, like, he's building up. He's going to get to the comparison or whatever. And then as I started going through, I'm like, no, I'm they're off. not even I'm in off. the same weight. I looked at that. I went over it. I was uh, jumped the gun a little bit. No, but bit now there. it totally makes sense. So, I like to make each one a surprise. I know about the fights that, you know, everyone's talking about or they're on the embedded, but... For sure. 
These aren't also, because these are on preliminary, you're going to be able to catch them on Fight Pass. Then we're going to go to FS1 eventually, hitting that pay-per-view Check your local by the listings. end of the night. So, boom, Kelleher coming in against Montel Jackson. Montel Jackson being 6-1, and one, losing his debut against Ricky Simone in a decision on short notice two months ago. Prior to that, he had a win off of the Contender Series with a submission finish. Montel comes in with a good ground experience. Um... Really like where he likes to get most of his work done there. Standing, he's serviceable. Jack Slack himself has this term, so I can't claim it as myself. But Montel Jackson is, dare I say, that black explosive style where he's a very good athlete. Can get out of unique situations and sure athleticism. Heart does have to be there, but uh, it's just, it's a mythos in the fight game as well. I know Latinos have it where they're like, oh, those black guys, black guys are athletic. In all the best ways. Like, how is that a bad <laughs> stereotype? Like, how's athletic as shit? My kind ain't allowed to say it about any race. <laughs> so this is what I grew up with. Because I grew up wrestling and boxing. Uh, and people were just No, like, I believe each kind of, like, there's, like, that long muscle and that hard muscle and that fast muscle. And, and that, that, there's all, yep. yeah, oh, I yeah. do. I agree. Fast twitch muscle. Now, fast twitch muscle doesn't always translate into cardio. We also yeah. know that for a fact. Yeah, so I think, and... It isn't racist uh, to say to know what each of us are our strengths are. Totally, is that? I would is agree it with it that. Everyone, so Montel is Jackson, it everyone? <laughs> Get serviceable, off the fence. serviceable, all around fighter. But we know how we like to do it here against Boone. This is how we do it. That's what Montel Jackson should walk into. That was... even though Montel Jordan is the dude. It's close, close. It's pretty close. Boom, Kelleher. You know we like to make money on Big Boom. You know how against, in Orlando, we had him against Hennen Burrow, and money came through big time there. Kelleher is, again, jack of all trades, master of none, but I think a bit more lacking on the ground than Montel Jackson, but Jackson set is unique in his setups, and I don't think Kelleher is going to get there. He has, Kelleher has good enough wrestling to keep this where he wants his fight, and I see this turning into a decision. I just think the experience comes in a little bit more. Kelleher is coming off of a loss five months ago to Lineker and a TKO loss. That's Lineker. Hopefully, that chin. You what were you saying That's earlier? That's Lineker, and it was Lineker. It's Lineker at one thirty-five, which he's like settling into so nicely. And it was Lineker at two months after he fought Barrow. In a three-round decision that he ended up coming back to win in the second uh-huh. and third. So, hopefully those five months have paid off a little bit for Kelleher. But I feel like Kelleher can take this down to the ground and just hold position and grind out a decision. I don't know if I necessarily see a finish going for either fighter here. I feel like they stall each other out. And this turns into a decision fight. I'm going to probably stay away from it because I see this being a very middle-of-the-road fight for the evening. I still love both guys. I'm going to watch intently, but... There's there's other premier bouts on here. How do you feel this ends up before the night's over? In my opinion, Ricky Simone is a guy that's skating through the UFC by the skin of his fucking teeth, and he keeps pulling out miracles. So the fact that Montel lost to him, I think Brian Kelleher is a lot better than Ricky Simone. Brian Kelleher is a guy that should be sitting at the top of this division. Um, and he's top 15, in my opinion. 
I think it's going to be uh, kill him by a thousand cuts. I think he's better everywhere than Jackson. And I think he's going to pull out the submission by round three. If Jackson's chin holds up without him getting knocked out, um, Brian's not going to – he doesn't have bad enough cardio. And the difference – I know that – Ricky Simone has a good ground game. What Ricky Simone doesn't have is strength that Brian Kelleher does possess. And I think a smarter, well-rounded game. So I do think Kelleher can finish it, and I think he throws enough punches to lay out points on DraftKings. I always go with Boom, and I'll go with him again this time. I don't know if Montel Jackson's done enough yet. Another underdog for Boom Kelleher. You know how we like to be on that Boom train. again. And Boom's better as an underdog. I would agree with that. He does fight better as an underdog. Plus 130 underdog Brian Kelleher against plus 180 favorite. The lines are off. You listen to the line and the line's still there. You better be putting some money on it because we're in that boom to the money train. Boom. And he does. Boom. <laughs> that was a good Madison Square Garden. Hopefully he gets a boom. couple out there. Boom. Yeah, come on, Madison Square Garden. Don't be... So, Square. at 8,300, Montel Jackson's also the favorite on DraftKings against Kelleher's 7,900. I got some value, so we got a wage gauge underdog early in the night, second fight of the night with Boom Kelleher. Woo! I'm going to have some I money like left that. over. That's lucky. That is a fun play, fun play. So, we already went over Shane Burgos over Kurt Hollibar at 145 pounds. You can afford Burgos if you put on Keller. I totally agree at 9,000. And I got Burgos TKO round number one. You have him round number two. So, I'm going to pair probably Kelleher in there with Burgos on a bunch of my cards. Moving on to the 55ers, we have Matt Frivola against Groovy Lando Venata. Venata has made a name for himself in the UFC in short. Coming off of no favor fights, he has fought nothing but beasts. Having a 9-3-1 record coming out of that alpha male, Venata comes out with all sorts of spinning shit. Good cardio, good wrestling, and just almost textbook alpha male cardio and athleticism with a step more striking. I'd say, well, Andre Feely. I'd say him and Andre Feely are a lot alike in ways. Matt Frivola, 6-1. Coming off of his first loss ever in the UFC, a lot like Montel Jackson. He won his Contender Series fight, but lost to Polo Reyes nine months ago via TKO. A lot of people people saw that coming, Polo Reyes being a fun brawling fighter in there. Frivola, good all the way around, isn't really lacking, has serviceable cardio. There's nothing that really sticks out for me. He puts... Two and three punch combinations together well. Um, and I mean, that's... I, I On the ground, he goes for good. I believe he goes attacks the legs fairly well. Either way against Vanada and these alpha male guys, you don't got to worry about that. They've been countering that stuff for a very long time. There's a decided favorite here for a reason, and it's Vanada has just had way higher level competition. He's come in close decision loss as of late but we're seeing Jakar Close being a dark horse at the 55 pound division before that coming in against Ferguson losing to Tamora also getting a split decision over Bobby Green Lando Venata is a showcase fight I think that this has a potential to be a fight of the night just because Groovy is always in the contender for fight of the night in there 
just makes it closer than he needs to be at times. But I do feel he pulls this out in the second round. I got a TKO finish. Lando Venata heel. Spinning heel kick to the face. That's what I feel like it lands for Venata. You think the Medusky style? He throws it. He throws it well. He throws it often too. I as well have a groovy, and I like you. His record does not do him any favors. He has gone up against all the guys that are the next tier of that top ten of that division. There are the younger guys in it. Um, from Drakkar Close is going to be amazing. David Timor, totally. Tony Ferguson on short notice, I think. Bobby Green, that split decision. They, it's like their wrestling completely negated each other's wrestling. It was like a perfect display of that. I don't think Venata's going to finish. I do think Matt has an okay chin enough to hang up, and he does have an okay enough ground game that they stunt each other for a little while. I think Lando's better on the stand-up, but... Lando's going to have better cardio for sure, and it's going to be a slow wind down. I have a settled, groovy decision that I feel very comfortable with, and I could see where you get a finish out of that. I could see a submission finish or a knockout finish only because of I just don't see Frivola having that kind of cardio yet. Totally. I agree with that. He just hasn't seen the level of competition in Venata. For 8,900, do you think Venata, you're going to put him anywhere on DraftKings? 8,900? 8,900 against Frivola, 7,300 on DraftKings, minus 300 favorite for I'll Lando have him on Venata. some. I agree but on some, but he, it's going to be tough. Yes. Because getting in that 8, 9, 9,000 range, that's where you can limit yourself to like two of those guys, and then you have to fill your card with those mid 8,000, if not 7,000 guys you can get on DraftKings. So. Interesting to how high of an output do you think that that fight's going to end up having at 155? Do you think that they score a lot of significant strikes, a lot of takedowns and transitions? Yeah, I do. I like Lando. I really like him, and I don't know yet if I'm being biased. Like, is he going up against monsters? But the fact that he's hanging in there with all these guys that I think are monsters to decision says so much to me. I don't think Frivola's up there with those guys. But then again... If Steamrolla roll through Lando, will we be saying next time we break down Lando, gosh, you got another monster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we are, yeah. but fun one to see. <clears throat> Moving on to the 170 pounders, we have Liam Good versus Ben, the Scarecrow Saunders. I mean, Killa B Saunders. Saunders has been on a tear, fought well, four or five times this year. I feel like I see him on every other card. He was also on the Orlando card. Coming off of a loss, what was it? Not even. He's 22 and 10 and 2. Sergio Marias submission a month ago. Didn't take quite of a beating. Marias got him down real good, real quickly, and ended up just passing through. So maybe Saunders thinks, hey, I didn't take damage. I'm okay to get another fight. And then they had that really cute display of sportsmanship at backstage where Marias showed, showed him how him he did what it. Did it why I love this sport. I like, they can it. put their egos aside and be like, oh, okay, cool. That makes Saunders better. Definitely makes him better. Liam Good, though, you're not going to be able to catch him in just one submission. You're going to really have to transfer to get him down there. And first, you're going to have to be able to shoot on him and get him to the ground. And uh, as a lot of people have seen, that's way harder than it sounds. Liam Good is coming off of a 19-4 and record, getting his first loss in the UFC to Zalika Deleski in a split decision. We know that Zaleski 
is a freaking beast knocking out a lot of dudes out there um there was a very unique line in the Liam Goodzaleski fight where Good's corner, Good in the going into the third round was like his corner's like, "What are you doing, Good? What's what's happening?" And Good's like, "Coach, I don't want to get knocked out in there." His coach was like, "Fuck that! You get knocked out! You get knocked out! You get in there and you knock him out!" But that's the mentality you kind of gotta have. But that's just a testament to how freaking of a beast Zaleski is. So a year, three months rest from that last brutal fight. Do you think Good's got his head under him? Do you think he's going to need to have his head under him? Because that's a really, that's a gut check time. I don't think Zaleski has any kind of hands like Ben, or Ben Saunders' Doesn't, hands are nowhere close to Zaleski's. And that's where exactly where I would agree as well. Those elbows, you got to worry about that Muay Thai and knee up the middle, but good is really serviceable striker. And Ben Saunders has sneaky strikes. He doesn't have hands. Yep. He has really, like you're saying, all his like his knees elbows up the and middle. his knees. Yep. His pointy ass elbows and skinny ass knees. Yep, totally. But in that killer knee, well. <laughs> his name should be killer knee. That's a good one. With Ben Saunders though, and that clinch, I feel like a lot of guys have started to just throw that overhand right over the top and land with power. Good has power in his hands as well, and we've just been waiting. For Ben Saunders to get hit on the chin because we've called his chin testy for a while. And I think that's going to happen here. A lot of people see what I see. And that's just the power of Good taking over in this fight. Good is going to have the take down the fence to keep this where he wants to. And then it's only a matter of time before it's good night for Killaby, unfortunately. I'm going to go heavy with Good if I can. But he's going to be expensive at a... Minus 600 favorite against Killaby. Who do you have in this fight? I got I know, TKO round number so one. this is so crazy. But I'm going with Ben Saunders. Woo! I went... I, it, the, I had him against Sergio Morais, which was crazy and did not pay off. But that was a great grappling exchange. Really tiny, tedious advances. The Jake Ellenberger is not a super exciting win. And I know he has a sketchy chin but I really do believe in his jujitsu <laughs> I know he just got submitted and I know that's crazy where's good who's he fighting with he's at Tiger Schumann who's fighting out of there Rivera Jimmy Rivera that's a little dude it's a little guy yep Ben Saunders is a big one seventier and he's lanky he's chest I don't know. This is a weird where I can see myself. The New Yorker also being Liam Good, hometown advantage. Do you believe in that? Did we even not talk? for New Yorkers? Actually, not for we, New Yorkers. And usually we like to say, "Hey, sea level." So we're gonna be at sea level. The judges, Adelaide Bird, is she gonna make a showing? This Probably. is that type of an event. Yeah, Madison oh, Square Garden. I'm sure. They get paid big bucks to be there. Yeah, I'm so sure. So it's going to be top level, which means... Split Probably John Jones and Brock Lesnar are going to be in the front row. Think of that. Probably doing all sorts of supplements as well. <laughs> right together. <laughs> Just right hanging there. out, watching. So we got to take... And do we have to take into consideration on these type of fights where we have a local boy against the Florida's own killer bee? I not Bostonians are the only ones in my opinion that always look good at home for American cities. 
because we always say Brazilians fight good in Brazil. We call it that Brazilian juice sometimes or that juice is flowing or other countries when they're like just traveling like, oh, maybe from Japan to Australia as opposed to traveling all the way from Idaho to Australia, you know, like closer travel distance. I don't know. Fighting in New York as a New Yorker at MSG seems like the most amount of pressure I can even friggin' imagine that it seems like it could be next level nerves. I'm going to go with Ben Saunders. I like his price too. I don't see myself putting good anywhere. I see myself sneaking in Ben Saunders to a few of my cards so I can afford some crazy ass people. Good is 9,500 on DraftKings against 6,700 for Ben Saunders. I'm staying away from Saunders everywhere. I don't think I'm going to put good too much on there, but I do see a TKO round number one, so it would make sense that I try to fit him on there, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll have him on one or two. I just, I don't know why. This is so biased. I Ooh, love You see Saunders. this being a trap fight. You see the odds being off at minus 600. I think it's too crazy. I think it's too crazy. Interesting. Do you, would you say betting advice a little? Because that's huge odds. You've got to put on a little bit to get a big reward there, but scary. I like your strategy. Just a little, just a little. But I don't see myself, on. maybe a little of both, a little of both. But I don't like Good being the most expensive fight. He's been out for a long time. Yeah, a year, three months. Yeah, Ben Saunders, in my opinion, has been getting better. So I hope Good's been doing the same. Not working on some old shit. Totally. Totally, totally. And this is short notice fight. Short notice fight. Weird. Why Good? You've been out for a year and eight months. Why not wait a little longer? Are you just doing this so you can fight in your hometown? That's a sketchy, really rash decision to make against a guy like Ben Saunders. So just saying, just saying. Not to put doubt in your heart, but I'm not feeling good about it. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. On to the 45ers, 145ers. We have Julio Arce against Sherman Morais. This is not that Morais, not the the other Morais. <laughs> not the Morais that be killer knee. You're right. There's so many Morais's in there. They're turning into the Smiths and Limas. Yeah, exactly. the Limas or Silvas. How many Silvas, Silvas we got? Woo. Da Silvas. Woo! So, Arce coming in at 15-2 and two, has had a hell of a stretch in the UFC coming off of a win in his last fight, but he has multiple wins in the UFC now. Coming off of the Contender Series, he also went over Danny Gay and Daniel Timura. Marais coming in and being spotted 1-1, one one, losing to Zabit Megamed Cherubov and last winning two, last beating Matt Salis. Salis in a decision two months ago. Marais didn't look horrible against the beat in there. And that's something that I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a blat, a blowout. It was a submission choke in the 11 months ago, but that came later on. Um, I think Marais looked really good striking wise. And was that Zabit? Was that Zabit's first fight or third? I think it was his first fight. Or I think, his first or second. Sorry. I think it was their both a debut. Or third? I think Zabit's now had three fights because it was Zabit. He debuted against Marais, and then he fought two other guys since then. Now we don't have to talk about Zabit. So darn it. Marais though likes to strike, likes to strike, likes to keep it standing. On the ground, I don't know his exact belt, but most of his fights end up being striking bouts. Arce, more of the all-around MMA, 
stylus, goes for takedowns, has, I think, like 1.6% takedown the rate somewhere around there. He likes to get one per round. I was seeing on by the numbers. And uh, the cardio, I think, is where it's going to play the biggest role. Arce can keep a pace. He's shown that he can do that. He hits hard. He keeps people on their back foot because you see that Arce has the type of power that when he hits people, they start to shell up and I feel like their striking percentages goes down. I think there's going to be a firefight and I'm really excited for this. I think that this could be a fight of the night potential. There's going to be striker's delight. This we is have a couple of these. card. This I, is where you are so A lot of so people right. have been hating yeah. me. I'm like, I don't get it. I see nothing but fun ass matchups. I see people going to sleep all night long and it's not just jits. I'm talking striking battles. But I got Arce decision. If not, I could see a later round finish. But I do think that decision, even a dirty split. I can see this being 29-28, either fighter. This is going to be a fun one. How do you feel this one goes down? I think Arce figures out how to finish this fight. I did have round two. I'm going to move it to round three. Um, I just think Marais has a ten. He... He could be submitted, and yep. Julio Arce is strong, but like you're also reminding me of, is he has super crazy hard punches that are so wearing on guys that do slowly shell him up that a lot of them might just want to get out of there. They don't want to be hit anymore. Like, so, right, yeah, so take me out. I don't want to finish this round. I think Arce submission round three. I'm not going to put Marice anywhere, but I do see myself putting Arce on some cards. I could see that as well. Arce is going to be the big favorite at 9,200 against 7,000 for Marias. Minus 365 favorite for Arce against the plus 285. I feel like we're both telling you stay away from Marias in this fight. If there's a play to be made, it's maybe an inside the distance prop for Arce. You're going to get something in there. Maybe the decision. I could see how a lot of people see this being a finish. And I think Marias is going to... He's going to be serviceable in there. He's a good fighter. It's just Arce is a is a fun and a good fighter as well. Then we move on to the salvaged belt. Valentina got a body taken off of her. She, she's got extra a bullet for every person she gets out of there a tattooed on her body. That's is that a, true? No, that's not true. Oh, that's a I know she has start. a bullet, yeah. <laughs> like an X for yeah, every person she, totally she finishes. Should. She's got one. So she, your jar or Eubanks is not one of those X's now or one of those bullets. Not yet. Yep, she got the lucky steal away. I'm just talking shit. Sajara Eubanks wanted that fight because it was a title shot. She never shied away from it. She is a fighter. Has a little bit of trouble in the weight cutting department um, and the discipline department. She's talked about that herself. Losing a title fight potential by being out of shape and not making it to the weight cuts. Sajara is three and two. I've also seen her be four and two, depending on if you count those uh, TV show appearances. This bat is going to be at 125 pounds against Roxanne Modafferi. She stepped in for Valentina. She was willing to take the fight. She's willing to take one for the team. Did you see the Twitter exchange on how this bout was signed? Not at all. Oh, Sajara was talking all sorts of shit and just angry that she got pulled from the Shevchenko fight. I did see all that. And Monteferi was just like, I don't know why you're so mad. And she's like, you shut up, bitch. And Monteferi's like, why are you mad at me? And she's like, I'll fight you again. And she's like, okay. And that was the fight. That's how they made the fight. They've already fought once in the UFC Tough House. Sajara Eubanks got a unanimous decision over Roxanne Monteferi. 
But in that tough house is a very different story. That's a week to week fight. People totally have to different. cut the weight, make, make weight. Um, Eubanks is coming in with tons of power, a good sprawl, heavy, heavy punches. But that gas tank, you know how I was just mentioning black explosive and low gas tank? That's a jar of Eubanks, and the lack of discipline does not help her here. Especially against a fighter like Roxanne Montefiore, who has already proven that she can take Eubanks' power. Now the hard thing is, is putting a game plan good enough together to be able to overcome Sajar Eubanks' deficiencies on the ground, which Roxanne Montefiore has. The thing that Roxanne Montefiore lacks is, again, athleticism. Yeah. That's it. I mean, she is not an athlete. She goes in there with a everything good game plan. Everything Eubanks has. Yep. Roxanne Montefiore is not. And everything... Um, the fight IQ that might be even a little lacking for Eubanks, Montefiore has, so... And it's, it's getting better every fight. Exactly. And in these ladies' divisions, 36 years old might not be the oldest, even though Montefiore has Hey, Holly 20. Holmes, like, 38 or something. True. Maybe 37. True, true. She'd probably be like, bitch, I'm 37. <laughs> but she is older than Montefiore, I believe. But, um... But 33 in six months ain't too different from 37. Totally like, agree. Like, Jaya's age... Sajara. <laughs> Every time. That's <laughs> so rude now. She is here to fight. She is she ready to fight. She the bullet. Don't call her the guy from the idol. I don't really mean to. It's all It's all a slip of the tongue. So, so everything we need in an underdog, Roxanne Modafferi has. The heart, the grindability, the fight IQ. That is our, I feel like those are three staples archetype for our underdog. And she owns that. And in a fight against the gassing fighter. Chin, somebody that can take think, a beating. That's big important to this, our underdog. And this is a Botafairy fight. She's coming off of a win over Hanchek, who is also in her twilight of her career. She, I believe, retired after that fight against Botafairy. But if this fight goes that's to the ground. That's how Botafairy rolls. Exactly. She'll retire your ass. Exactly. But uh, a lot of people have Eubanks in this in a... Call me crazy, but I'm going to go with the peaceful warrior and the huge underdog. Don't hate me, but I'm going with Montefiore. I'm going to say stay away if you're a better on this. I'm not going to put a lot of money on it, but I think that Montefiore wins a decision. Montefiore is so inexpensive on DraftKings, I bet, because of how heavy favorite 490 under. I bet Montefiore is almost as cheap as whatever other underdog that I just picked that was like 600 under. I bet you she's of that same vein. Totally. That if you put Montefiore on your card, you might think you're crazy, but you'll be able to afford everybody else you want. I'm going to tell you some other reasons why I would pick Montefiore on your card. Sinjara Sinjara has created such a wave of shit after this whole Shevchenko fight and gotten herself emotionally tizzied up with whether or not she said some things online and she's new enough to the sport that she's going to have that weird extra feeling of like seeing Dana White and doing, you know, seeing all the backstage uh, people that are kind of her bosses like in a weird way even if it's if she doesn't feel awkward around him she feels pissed at him so there's this extra layer of energy and emotion that she's adding to this fight because of this ugly twirl up she just had about losing the yep. Shevchenko fight and Sajara Sajara you cannot even think that the UFC is not going to let JJ fight when JJ wants to fight. If that means your fight, girl, 
you got some proving to do before you. It's like pretty much if Connor wants to step in on any fight right now. Yeah, he's, open a, door. he's gonna. Yeah, it's Brock all Lesnar about yeah tomorrow. Yeah, so <laughs> take your it in order. I think this is a perfect rematch since you. It's somebody if you already beat them, it's a perfect way for you to start on an upward trajectory. If you're Sajara and you should feel confident in that, but I think Monteferi has grown more since the Tough House, and she's had chance to prove it, and she doesn't put all this extra emotional burden on the fight. I think she has the better cardio. I think she those elbows, those little inside elbows. Monofari decision. And it's not the peaceful warrior. Sorry about that. It is the happy warrior. Is the peaceful warrior the peacemaker is uh Leslie Smith. Leslie Smith. But I do believe you're right. There is a peaceful warrior as well. I can't think of who that is right now. But against Sag. Sorry, girl. But here at Lappy, we got another underdog. Decision for both of us, the plus 380 favorite, or underdog I mean, against the plus, or minus 490 favorite Sajara words, Eubanks. Mar- Monteferi, that's probably where I'm, just mark my words. <laughs> <laughs> Monteferi won't be finished, um, even if she loses the fight, and Eubanks doesn't throw enough punches to make it worth it, even if she wins the fight. So that's even, no, nothing you do makes you pick so, Eubanks. 9,400 for Eubanks against 6,800 for Monteferi, the underdog. I feel like I'm not going to put Monteferi everywhere, but I'm going to put her on 60 to 65% of my cards because she's going to allow me to put a couple of those 9,000 fighters. Eubanks, I don't see the value unless she gets a finish in the first round. For 9-4, she has to get a finish, and we've seen Monteferi already be able to withstand this. Now, this... This is at a higher weight. Did they fight that at? No, it was at 125. That was what for the, that was the yeah. house. So, Montefiore, humongous underdog. We got a couple throughout the night. Kelleher, Montefiore, we're going to have a pick. Montefiore's never been finished, and she hasn't, she fought Eubanks already and didn't get finished. That's crazy. This should be a closer fight as well. Off By odds. far, fi- off odds. People, Minus 500, it's because way too much. The only thing that people know about Sajara is that she was going to fight the she bullet for the fight. title. She wanted to fight the bullet. Well, that, no, that, that, that was that actually booked. Off. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. But, like, that gave her cred. Yeah, was it made it look like she, she was about to fight for the championship, yep. and this other girl has one win. Yep. Yeah. Which she actually fought for the belt and lost against Nico Montano, Roxanne Monteferi. So just saying, Monteferi has championship five round decisions under her belt. Throwing that out there. On to point. 145 pounds, we have Jason Knight versus Jordan Rinaldi. I know I've been saying we have strikers tonight. I know I've been saying we have fan-friendly fights. And... On that trend, we got another one that's a banger. This, you know how we like Hick Diaz in this house. Florida native himself always shows up with that good takedown defense. Muay Thai striker can actually be his own worst enemy at times because he, he'll eat one too many punches just to prove a point. And that'll add up over a fight at times and sweat sway against him. Jordan Rinaldi is a good enough fighter to be able to do that as well. The 13-6 and six fighter... Is coming off of a loss in the UFC. He's had a few now in here at 145 pounds. So Jordan or Gregor Gillespie TKO nine months ago, but I don't care who you are. A lot of people are taking that loss against Gillespie right now. Gillespie's a 145 title contender. Prior to that, he he's beat, awesome. Yeah. Prior to that, he beat Herrera 
in a decision or was it a submission? In a submission, Von Fluchoke a year ago, Rinaldi's entrance to the UFC was able Trujillo, which he lost in a decision. So Rinaldi has had good competition. I'd say top five fighter is definitely Gillespie. Even in that loss, I'm hoping Rinaldi learned a little bit from it at 31 years old and can implement that more. Good all-around guy, doesn't really stick out anywhere, has okay power, okay gas tank. I don't I wouldn't say Rinaldi's chin is susceptible because Gillespie beat him on the ground once he got him into a proper position and ended up landing that ground and pound. Striking wise, Rinaldi doesn't get hurt too too much. Um Jason Knight isn't also a big power puncher. He's the same as that killer B. He'll cut you by cut you by a thousand cuts, get you with a knee on the inside, but he doesn't have that flash one out, one out, one punch Derek Lewis knockout power. I see this being a scrap. I see this on the ground being a transition fest. Once they get to the ground, Rinaldi is better on top, but Hick Diaz has good elevations, good sweeps, always throws in those butterfly hooks and is really active off of his back. Wants to keep it, get it striking where he can. And uh, Rinaldi doesn't really shoot too, too much in there. Doesn't play it on the fence too much. Neither did Jason Knight. I think these guys keep it in the center of the round. And I see it being 29-28, either fighter. I'm going to go Jason Knight slightly, but I'm actually going to say stay away from this. I see split decision written all over it. I got Knight in the decision. I think the odds are off by having it being too high of a favorite for Knight. I see Rinaldi being a live dog. I'm respecting him a little more than most people think in this spot. How do you feel this one ends up going? I agree. And maybe it's just because I'm not as high on Jay. I love Jason Knight's personality, but I'm just not as high on him. I I see him as a flawed fighter, almost like that exact same way you're talking about, Ben Saunders. I see Jason Knight, and Rinaldi can exploit that. I think he's the stronger guy, and maybe boiled down, he has the better submissions. It's so it's so iffy. It's almost like the thing that Jason Knight likes to back up on, Rinaldi's a little better at. Plus, Rinaldi's coming down from 155 to 145. So if he makes this weight comfortably, I'm going Rinaldi's submission, and I'm actually going to move it up to round two. I think he figures it out wow. out of pure strength. If I feel like he's uncomfortable at all in the way, even the speed from 155 to 145 isn't crazy. Like where you're like, oh, the 145 guy is tons faster. Mm-hmm. It's not like moving down from heavyweight. I'm going to go with, I'm going to change it. I have a Rinaldi, Rinaldi submission round three. I think he's the live dog here. Jason Knight. I like Amir Khan, but he's not heavy handed. So I didn't expect him to get knocked out. And I love Lamas, but I think he is, I don't think he's on the twilight of his career, but he's Weidman. <laughs> like, he's up there. He's not quite, maybe he's Luke Rockhold in that area. Uh-huh. So, I don't know about Jason Knight. I think I might have jumped on his hype train, and then I felt burned by that for a little while, and right. then I might be tentative to go back. So, take all that bias with this. Rinaldi submission round three. Benitez, Lamas, top-level competition. American as well. Um... I agree. I, I'm saying it as well. I'm hesitant on Knight. For being a 3-1 to one under our favorite, Jason Knight, I just don't like those odds. I, that's way too inflated. If there's a money play, it's Rinaldi decision. I think you can make a I prop like bet either. there. I think the prop bet there is more comfortable to hit than anything um, if it goes towards the underdog. But again, I got 29-28. Neither guy's a local guy, so we don't have to worry about that. Rinaldi coming out of Vegas. 
Florida O Knight again. Knight being 8,800 on DraftKings against 7,400 for Rinaldi. I'm not going to play Knight on my DraftKings cards. I, I see a decision. I don't see a finish either fighter. So that's a, on a night full of finishes. Even if I get another one wrong somewhere else, this decision is going to be low for either fighter in my point of view. Yeah. I'm kind of right there too. So... The how do you, how, off how do you feel? Are you are you gonna willing to play Rinaldi or do you think yeah. you better have better spots? I'll play Rinaldi more than I play Jason Knight anywhere. I don't think, I think play he's better one. for the money. That's what I'm saying. I think I stay away from this. I like twenty percent. I put maybe one of these guys on one of my cards. I don't like it. Knight stands and throws though too. That's the other thing you can say about him yes. is he will lay out points with his hands, but it's not high on Knight. So on to. Burmy want shame on him. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Brunson starts off the pay-per-view against Israel Adesanya. If you haven't liked and subscribed, you better. You're getting quality information, free information. Hit a like. I saw the subscribe thing on my podcast feed, which is in iTunes because I'm Android. Uh-huh. But it's at 18 pluses, and I really like that. Who's ever su- like that? Thank you. If anyone else has as well, keep on liking it because it does show. At least I saw it. I don't know what the back books tell us. I haven't been on that page for a while. But what I can see on just my regular feed, what the regular consumer feeds, I feel like we're over 18. I don't even know what their markers are. Ribbons? No. (laughs) Million. (laughs) Oh, on the YouTube? No, but it's not YouTube. It's like I use like a cast stream. It's a diff- oh, that's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's my own different thing. app. It's a Is different it app Overcast? away from us. I use Overcast for my podcast. No, it's a different one. Let me see. It is CastBox. Oh, cool. And people are liking it on, on different... On the CastBox. So yeah. I'm, yeah, I know we're getting them everywhere else, but I'm like, wherever you're listening... Castbox, Something Pop that Stream. I heard and I could be wrong is that a lot of the other podcast apps really do take a lot of the feed from iTunes. So I know it sucks, but if you guys have iTunes anywhere and you feel like jumping over there and rating us, whatever, five stars, please, four stars, maybe. Um, but if you feel like writing anything, that's super awesome. Our YouTube, that ain't great yet. We're not, our bread and butter is our audio listeners. Oh, definitely. Everyone. And um, we. Blew up. We, like, got a third of the amount of listeners last month. Like, last month, we're, we're like, blowing up, everyone. Wow. We're blowing up. You'll say you the knew us. The whole sport is. The whole sport yeah. is. I know, but there wasn't even anything good the last few weeks. It was just us yammering on about some bullshit. We trying out here. We're bringing steady we're content. Talking about we get some fights this week. It's tough. It's tough out there. So, yeah. Thank you, though, for all those people who have liked and subscribed up until this point. We friggin' appreciate it. Let's get into that main card. On to the pay-per-view. Again, we got a premier bout with Israel Adesanya against Brunson. Both of these fighters have fought in the UFC. 14, the perfect 14-0 fighter. Adesanya is coming in as a favorite, heavy favorite, against Derek Brunson, 18-6. I have long liked Brunson, but as we were saying, Burma once. (laughs) <laughs> you can't burn me. You can't burn me again. But Derek Brunson seems to do that with his roller skates. He usually tends to bring them into the octagon with him. That style, even though we like to type, talk crap on it because it is a very um, wonky style. Derek Brunson blitzes you. He doesn't use that wrestling as much as he should. When Derek Brunson uses his wrestling, he takes down Yoel Romero three times in a fight, which has never happened. And then. 
ends up taking down other high-level wrestlers. Derek Brunson is an amazing athlete with elite D1 level wrestling. Israel Adesanya is a New Zealand striker coming out of that Thai scene, out of that, who is that, Hangman Hooker, those guys growing up. They're definitely bringing the next level striking generation into the sport. We kept saying we were worried about a wrestler coming in. I had Tavares beating Adesanya because I thought Adesanya wasn't elite enough. And Adesanya walked through Tavares, even though now people are saying that, um, who was it that he fought? Tavares was coming in with a knee injury, so that also helped Adesanya with the lack of shots. The takedown defense has showed for Israel Adesanya so far, and striking-wise, he can beat a ton, a ton of people in there. Derek Brunson was outstruck, should have been outstruck by Uriah Hall, Hall as well. Right? Uriah Hall, way better striker than Eric Brunson. But that blitzing style, that awkward style, really threw him off, and that's how he really catches you. I think Israel Asanya is a smart enough fighter. He's show, proven it before already with the fights he's had recently and even his kickboxing matches where he understands in Muay Thai to weather the storm, and Derek Brunson is a one-round fighter as well. Those skates are on for a round, and after that, it really limits to one strike at a time. He'll throw the eventual left high kick in there. Um, Derek Brunson has just got away from his wrestling for so long that I can't trust that he's going to take it there. If he does take it there, I could see a decision for Brunson, but I see Adesanya weathering the storm in the first round, not throwing much, turning it on the second and third, and probably getting a second, maybe early third round TKO. I got Adesanya, the big favorite here, and it's because Derek Brunson keeps his head straight up, and Adesanya is a sniper on the next level of things where... I think this is a trap fight for Brunson. I think this is a highlight reel where they're like, who walks into punches? Chris Lieben against Anderson Silva? And people are like, oh yeah, Chris Lieben's going to walk through this guy. He runs forward. Yeah, run forward against an Israel Adesanya. See what happens. That's what Derek Brunson does. He runs forward with his head up. I got Adesanya. Who do you feel ends up winning this one? This step up for Adesanya is enormous. I love Brad Tavares, but Brad Tavares is still on the climb. He's, I don't even know who sings that country song. (laughs) 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 Hannah Montana. Miley Cyrus. He's still the climb (laughs) himself. Uh, Adesanya just proved to be, and that was a close enough fight. I don't know if he necessarily walked through him. That was a huge surprise to me, too. But the split decision win against Vittori is still ringing in my ears. That was a very... Very close fight, and I like Marvin Vittori. I like his look and stuff, but he's still not. Sorry to cut you off, but the Twitter talk, what happened officially, Vittori came out saying that he popped for all sorts of drugs via USADA. After that fight? After his last fight. But if he was on it beyond then, I guarantee he was on it for every single fight. But I remember even looking at Vittori and being like, that guy got jacked in his last fight. So, just saying Adesanya probably fought a juiced fighter. Just saying. Uh, yeah, maybe a juice Vittori to goes to decision with Adesanya. It's just the guys on Derek Brunson's friggin' list are, like, next level. I mean, the Top champion. five fighters. Yo, if Romero. You look at the way, this is the only question I have, and this is really going to be the decision on who I pick. Mm-hmm. Can Adesanya throw a head kick? If he can, Derek Brunson loves taking a head kick and getting knocked out by it. <laughs> 
It's like he is a highlight reel for that. Yep. So I've never seen myself personally at Asanya throw a head kick, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. I see a lot of teeps up the middle, leg kicks, you know, knees, elbows. I have seen his head kicks, but they have been in other organizations that tended to be striking about events, Muay Thai events. But he will throw, he has a few question mark kick knockouts or Brazilian kick, depending on where, where you stand there. But yeah. Leota Machida's kind of gnarly. Gosh, and I would have felt so comfortable that knockout against Souza. I just don't know if it's Adesanya. I'm going to pick Adesanya decision. Okay. I don't think it should be so far apart. I agree. I think that this one, betting-wise, is a little off, even though I have Adesanya TKO right Adesanya is not number 11 in the world right now yet, in my opinion. But This is... a. Highlight potential. Regardless, this is something that is a fight that you can't miss. Don't be making your coffee. Don't be making your kids or nachos. You be in this room because this, if it's not fast and over, it will be so entertaining and um, striking clinic. Well, I even think the grind ups. I think Derek oh, Brunson's yeah. going to be better on the inside. I think it's the Ooh, breakaway that's what I love. that Adesanya I love gets in the good elbows, and it's the breakaway yeah. that Adesanya could hurt Brunson. But I just think the inside, I think Brunson has better wrestling. I would agree with that. D1 wrestler who, again, has shown his wrestling, but not as of late. Again, there's a profile fight. And you not have one, to tune in for this. Oh, I'm changing. Not one of the people that Adesanya has gone against has even close to the level of wrestling that Brunson has. And the other thing you guys know, I'm so high on JW. I am Jackson Wink all day these days. Right. I've been sticking with him, and it hasn't done me wrong yet. I'm going to be sticking with him at UFC Denver, but we'll get there. <laughs> and I'm going to stick with Brunson. I got Brunson's decision. I think he figures out Adesanya. So Jackson Wink is going to be making a showing like they usually do with Brunson. Also, Kelleher, I said earlier that he was at Alpha Male. That's where he started. Also, Kelleher, just to throw a little more on there, he's been at Wink for a while now. With Jackson Wink, how do you feel about them letting promos being cut all over their rings and uh, all sorts of racially insensitive things being thrown out there? <laughs> oh, I saw that. Mike Perry. Is it mocking or is it paying tribute? I, Mike Perry is dressed up as um, an indigenous person to North America and um, doing a dance and stuff because he's going after a cowboy. He's an Indian. Right. I've heard arguments on both sides of it. Hey, what is he? 2%? 3%? He's a percent black, so he can say I know, the N-word. He says the N-word so already. So now 3% Native American. He good. I wish we could do something about where the intention that people mean and where it comes from because I don't think he means anything bad by it. That being said, people are like, well, we played cowboy and Indians when we were little. And I'm like, yeah, and friggin' 30 years ago, people said things that were inappropriate. Like the things we did back then don't, we used to call sitting crisscross applesauce Indian style, but we don't anymore. Yep. You know what I mean? So there's things that, like Redskins, inappropriate <laughs> it's an inappropriate name sorry all the washington fans that are upset right now pick something else it's inappropriate so there's things just because we did them for so long doesn't mean it's that should be that way forever what about the claimsmen like they stake in a claim like oregon or like first <laughs> nation 
I like the First Nation. I like that Canada... Klingsman can be misconstrued a little bit. (laughs) What about um, First Nation? See, I just said the same thing with a different tone. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So, 9,100 for Israel Back to the Broken Native fight on Adesanya, the Broken Native tattoo. Oh. I love that tattoo. Nigerian fighting out of New Zealand is Adesanya. And do you notice his act... Him talking with, like, here we'd call it, like, hip-hop. Him talking with, like, an urban slang, N- Nigerian, out of New Zealand, English, kind of sounds European. like he's talking like an American. I love the Australian or South African dialect. That movie, Chepe, Chepe, with the robot and what's all those... Oh. Even that ant work, daddy ant work or whatever, all those are hilarious. But I know what the accent yeah, is like. It's fun. I love both of the different um They all mix together. The New Zealand. New Zealand, it was gonna be Ireland when I expatted. It was gonna be Ireland that I went to, but I think I think New Zealand. Right now, me and the wife are I could see New Thailand Zealand. as well. I'm not opposed. I like that part of the world. I'm not opposed. And there will be a day, life after animals, that I expat out of here. I expat right out of here. (laughs) So, 9,100 on DraftKings for Adesanya. Again, 7,100 for Brunson. How do you feel on DraftKings that it's going to go for you? Where do you feel like you place it? 9-1 is tough. I'm going to pepper both guys on I am too. I'm going to go either way. I could see Brunson being a live dog as well in here. The lines are off. I do think that... Three to one no favor respect. Adesanya. No well, respect. Agreed. No respect at all. This is the unique bout on the pay-per-view. I feel like this should be one that could easily be switched with one of the preliminary fights. And it's not even a lady fight. We have Carl Robertson against Jack Marshman at 185 pounds. Tell me where you know these guys from. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're both... I thought they were both underdogs. Undercard fighters. They're both undercard fighters. 22 and 7, Marshman comes in with a out of Wales, 28 years old, being scattered, win one, lose one for a while, losing to Carlos Jr. a year ago via submission, beating Ryan James in a decision, beating Jan Cabral, but losing as well in there against Tiago Santos, which a lot of us saw that coming. Carl Robertson is a new addition at 6 and 1. He's one of these guys who wins their debut against Darren Stewart and then loses their second fight against Cesar Fiera who's very Carlo Jr-esque in there. Both of those guys are submission guys. They both lost by a submission. Robertson tends to be a striker as well. Very athletic. Um, I believe he was on the contender. He beat Ryan Spann TKO via elbows. Uh, He knocked him down first and then ended up getting on top. Robertson, very explosive, has tons of power, and has a good takedown game as well. Again, uh, has a good double leg takedown to the fence, uses the fence to get you to the ground. And Robertson's takedown defense has been limited at best against low-level competition. The few guys Marshman has faced so far have been able to blow him out of there. And Marshman is a very stylistic, sprawling ball brawl type of fighter fighter he doesn't like to go to the ground at all when he's there he tries to get back up and at times can be put on his back i see robertson getting this to the ground early and maybe getting a submission i'm gonna stick with the submission or with the decision i mean maybe i'll move to a submission the more and more i look into this but 
I'm going to stare clear of this one. This is a preliminary fight on the main event. This one makes no sense less than Eubanks versus Mataferi to me. I'm just steering clear of this one. I got Robertson decision. Heavy favorite, but I'm not going to play it heavily. Who do you have in this one? I have Robertson by some sort of finish before the fight's over. I don't really know. It's a really odd fight to be on here as well. I keep looking over it, and neither guy has even has a ton of competition against guys with competition. I mean, well, that's not true. Marshman has been put through the mill, and I yeah. also think that the people that he's fought have been on super short notice. I almost want to give him a chance this time, and it's been a year ago. The Ryan Janes fight might have been a fool length training camp for him but that's against ryan james so that decision win is because eh, that's not a lot of power for me i wonder how carl robertson's cardio is to get through the remainder of the round and these guys are going to be swinging for the fences they're huge but thiago santos he has that next level power oh yeah I think, see, I think the lines are off on this. I this agree. fight should be closer as well. I think this well. fight should be way closer than minus 300 for Robertson against the plus 235 underdog. Marshman, Marshman. just has, the guys he's got, lost against are crazy, like the amount of experience they have, and I got to give him some credit there. I have Robertson's decision, and I don't feel like that's how it's going to finish, and I could see, I'm actually, I'm going to switch to Marshman. I like wow. the guy he's lost against wow. more than... Killer B Combat Sports. Darren. Against the New Jersey. Do you think the local boy is New Jersey, New York aren't, of course, in the same. They rival each they're other. They're through the tunnel or across the bridge from each other. But either know? way, do you think there's going to be enough support in the crowd to be oh, able yeah. to help sway the judges if it goes to a decision? I think they're going to cheer on the local guy over the guy from Wales Regardless, for sure. right? And Ryan James ain't great. No. That is not a good win, but those losses are friggin' huge. And... I also think he's fought in Brazil twice. Yeah, I would agree with that. Marshman definitely doesn't mind traveling for his fights. I'm going Marshman decision. I hate this fight. Wow. I'm going to stay so far so away from stay it. Stay away from it. 8,700 for Robertson on DraftKings against Marshman. 7,500. I am not playing either fighter anywhere. Eight seven. He has to get a finish, Robertson, and... Yeah, I just steer clear. There's a couple other spots to definitely lay the juice. One of those and, spots. He's, and he could totally finish him in the first round as well. That's the crazy part about it. It's like that, either yep. Robinson is the real deal. Yep. But I think that Marshman equally could be. He just has gone in against the legitimate monsters who are in full training camps. Th that has decision to me for Robinson. I think the Mejeta and the Santos fight were both on short. Oh, decision. those are the same guys. <laughs> or um, the shoe face and oh, Mejeta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think both those were on short notice yeah. for some reason. And I do agree that they th believe they were both in Brazil. Then we move so on. So you know Juice City, just saying. On to, That's or hate. moving laterally into another 185-pound bout. We have David Branch coming in against short notice Jared Cannonier. Who fell out of this fight? Who was switched up in this fight? Um, was it Rockhold? Was it the Weidman fight? Souza? Souza, because it was supposed to be Souza, Souza Branch, Branch because Luke Rockhold. So Cannonier's coming in short notice. He's ten and four against David Branch's twenty-two and four. Cannonier at eighty-five came in as a two-o-fiver. 
lost to Blockowitz as of late, and then to Dominic Reyes TKO five months ago. Reyes is coming, has a lot of hype behind him. David Branch as a double champ out of the WSOF and came off of a huge win as a big underdog. Here the Bean putting all sorts of money on David Branch. David Branch is a Gracie black belt on the ground, has great double leg takedowns, great transition single legs to get you to the ground, and striking is serviceable. I would agree that I didn't see Branch knocking out Santos, but what it really made me think about Branch is, hey, if he wants to get after someone, he can, and that's even better. Because Cannoneer is one of those guys who will sit back and counter-strike you up and turn it into a split decision. Cannoneer has a cannon in that right hand. He sits back on it, but he can get outpointed because he'll let the fight get away from him. It's not that Cannoneer has bad cardio. He actually has really slick boxing. It's just that the output for Cannoneer is really low. Really, really low. Um, David Branch has a full camp. I just see the better all-around fighter everywhere being Branch. At any time, if Branch missteps, Cannoneer will put your lights out. He can Derek Lewis you in there. He does have that type of power. But the longer fighter at 85 has been David Branch, more regular of her cut. Cannoneer was, I feel like, one of those heavyweight guys that did good because the division is so lacking. And now that he's in a stacked division, I feel like Cannoneer is only going to get more, a couple more losses under his belt before he gets out of there. And I see David Branch submitting Jared Cannoneer in the second round. I just think Branch is on his way to the title shot. And he might not get the title, but he's a contender. He's been in it for a while. And uh, he's, on a, he's on a roll. Definitely on a roll. I know it's only one fight since his loss against Rockhold. But Rockhold's also that top five guy. So In this division, one win is a roll. Yeah, for real. In this division, we talk about Kelvin Gastelum, who's lost one against yeah, Chris Weidman, true. who's lost one recently against Yoel Romero, who's lost one recently against Whitaker twice, who's lost... It's true. like everyone in the division. He's on the mess. longest winning streak at 185. <laughs> yeah, he's tied for the longest winning streak. He's tied with the champ for the longest winning streak. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm actually really worried about Jared Cannonier taking this fight on short notice and stepping down in weight. I even wonder if the fight even goes down. I And he's not going to have the cardio for a 185-er to keep up that kind of pace. Is he going to have the the one-punch knockout power? Yes, that's the story of the whole night. I think a lot of the guys have knockout power. But David Branch is a guy that is in those talks, to me, over Luke Rockholt um, for... I would like to see him fight Kelvin Gastelum next at 185. I think it's such an interesting fight, and he's a really undervalued guy that I can't believe I don't say more when people say, who do you think is the most underrated guy in the UFC? David Branch. David Branch is an oh, underrated know. motherfucker, and this is, should be a walkthrough fight for him. And I just can't even... I, I think it's going to be a TKO only by unanswered punches because Cannoneer is going to have zero cardio at this weight just because it's short notice. But I think stepping down as a favor to the UFC, they're going to allow him to fight at this weight class for maybe one or two or three or whatever. We'll see. Uh Um, I think this is an easy fight to put David Branch in some places. KO round two. TKO round two. So we both have a finish in the second round. Prop Mm -hmm. bet in the second round. If you're thinking about putting a little money on there, read in between the lines. David Branch, 9,300 on DraftKings against the 6,900 
for Cannoneer. I'm going to steer clear of Cannoneer. If I can afford Bridge, I'm going to switch him out with a couple of those other 9495 people. But it'll only be one of them I'm going to have because over that 9000, it's tough. We both see a finish here. And I think that I, I feel like a lot of people are seeing that happening at the minus. Branch was getting ready for friggin' Souza. Totally. And now he's fighting Cannoneer. No offense, Cannoneer, but Ronaldo is like a top fiver. Totally, know. totally, totally. So the minus 450 favorite for Branch, I think the line is right there. We've been saying they're off a lot of the time. I'm yeah, like, yeah, that's I, pretty close I to right. Feel like, I feel like that's pretty spot on. Moving on to the co-main event, we have another 185-pound bout with Chris Weidman coming in against short notice against Rolando Souza, the alligator or crocodile Jacquer himself against All-American 14-3. and three. Chris, Chris Weidman bouncing back, getting his first wind off of his first losing streak ever in his MMA career, beating Kevin Gastelum via submission. Chris Weidman is fighting in his hometown of New York, Sarah Jiu-Jitsu prodigy, the 34-year-old's coming in against the 38-year-old, who was also getting... This short notice isn't the same as Cannon Years, because he was preparing for Branch, and Branch is, I would say... Pretty goddamn close to Chris I would Chris agree Weidman. with you everywhere. Like, like similar wrestling being their first thing with striking yeah, with great so close right behind. Great jiu-jitsu. Sarah is not Gracie jiu-jitsu level, but it's American Gracie jiu-jitsu. Like it would be, right, it's the, maybe I'm off on that. But Sarah is definitely a good school in jiu-jitsu. And we've seen what Weidman can do on the ground there with the D1 national wrestler as well. Chris Weidman, to me, dictates where this fight stays, whether it be on the ground or striking, where Jacare Souza, where we've seen now, against Yo Romero, he did get taken down, but it was off of a punch. Jacare Souza's fought nothing but the top level for a very long time, losing a split decision to Gastelum five months ago. Is that the MMA math that we need to be like, okay, it's Weidman easy? Because I don't necessarily see it. Jacare Souza... On the ground, has his biggest advantage. And if Chris Weidman's smart, to me, he uses his wrestling in reverse to keep this striking because Jacare Susan has tons of power, but he only has two punches he ever throws. Maybe a little jab with no committal and an overhand right with everything behind it. And he will throw that into the third round. And we've seen Robert Whitaker and Kevin Gastelum now just stuff that hand nonstop and win in the grappling exchanges. And I, or I mean, not um, Whitaker, uh, Romero. But that's, you gotta just stifle that. And I think Weidman can take that. Sarah Longo team, they're a very smart team. They all see what we can see, even on short notice. Jacare in this division beats a lot of other people, beat Derek Brunson before he got his last loss. And, uh, this is a premier fight. I do wish it was on a little bit longer notice because I've been waiting for this matchup at 185 for a long time. So I was hoping they would both have two months of just training for each other. Um, but hey, I'll take it. The main event came together just as quick as this one and uh, I'll take that one too. But I got Weidman in a decision, maybe a TKO because I do think that Weidman has way better striking, way more diverse of a striker. Chin? That's the iffy part with Chris Weidman. Jacare Souza has tons of power. He just has one shot, though. It's whether Weidman can eat that one shot or not. 
I think he can. I got a decision, Weidman. This one's closer than people have it. It's closer than most of the fights this, tonight. But I am going with Weidman decision. Who do you have in this one? <sighs> I don't even think Kelvin or he was, Chris was beating Kelvin very well before he submitted him. I thought Kelvin was starting to get ahead of him on the boxing. Chris is, he is a, he's one of the guys that I hate to say this and I'm going to get hate for this. <laughs> he is, he's done to me. I think Chris Weidman's done, and I know we should think Ronaldo's done because of the age. I just think he has a little... I think he's a little better than Weidman everywhere. I think Weidman has better hands, but with kicks included and knees and inside elbows and things like that, I think they're pretty 50-50 on the stand-up, and I just think the tricky shots are always what gets Weidman in trouble. He's fine when it's just boxing, straight-up boxing. He'll beat most people. I just think Souza is a guy that doesn't do anything normal. He's kind of weird. Kelvin Gastelum, where he got in trouble, is just staying in a stand once. I don't even remember how that fight ended last time. Did you just watch it? Souza versus no, Kelvin Gastelum versus Weidman. Oh, it was uh, was it an arm triangle? Um, Gastelum tried to do that fat man roll that he does nonstop. Weidman stuffed it, just slid over to an arm triangle, and ended up on the ground. Striking wise, I thought they were comparable. I didn't think either guy was killing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't. I didn't ever see Weidman really, really hurt. Where I did see Souza. And that split decision get hurt by Gastelum in those last two rounds. Yeah. Ugh, and I don't like the short notice. It's really just Chris Weidman's chin. I don't trust it at all. And he didn't look great against... I know, yes, Musasi, champion of Bellator. Yoel Romero, he has some Cuban juice that hasn't even hit science markets yet. And 10 years from now, the rest of the world's going to catch up. It's chimp testosterone right yeah. from the chimp's nut sack. Luke Rockholt. Ooh. That was when Luke Rockholt was Luke Rockholt. That was like a good fight. But he just, if Chris Weidman can stay on point, he can finish this fight. He can knock out Robert Wood, or he can knock out Susan. <laughs> Fuck. This is a close fight, but that's what I love about these fights is that as we're talking through it, we both have hesitations because it's so close. That's why I wish they both had two months to get ready You're, instead of two I weeks. agree. I agree because then it would be even closer. Everything that I'm yep. nervous about, I stay with Weidman because, well, you know what? Susan's had a full training camp. And right. Like he both... was getting ready for Branch, which is right there on that Weidman level. Right there. So this is still a super Are, fun was fight. Was he getting ready for Branch for yeah. sure? That was Sousa versus Branch. Everything. It was Sousa versus Branch. I know it for a fact. Oh, Jacques Array. And I know the MMA math is saying Weidman. <laughs> Local boy as well. I know. Local he guy. He loses at home. No, he just won. His last fight was against Gastelum at home as well. The last time they were in New York. Was it? Yeah. And everyone said, don't do it because he had just lost two months before. And we're like... So he's win one, lose one? Yep. Or lose one, win one? Yeah, lose one, win one. Because Yoel Romero was in New York, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Or he got brutally knocked out. Brutally. And I just see, if anyone's going to brutally knock you out, it's Souza. 8,500 on DraftKings for Chris Weidman. Again, 7,700. Souza came around three. Woo! Split on that. I got no, decision. No, he's not going to do it in round three. Weidman has the better cardio there. 
That's a fun Coming one. Forward. I love it. I love the tension because, hey, we're going to have to wait and see. I'm going wide than KO round three. I could see it being like Silva. Like, this is a good reason <sighs> to follow us on Twitter at Zoltanite and at Weakneck Baby. Yeah, yes, because weigh ins are going to mean so much. They're going to be crucial. Especially for this type of a fight card, especially for these short notice fights. There's a couple fighters that we have to worry about the weigh ins. Um, Cannoneer. Sajara Souza. Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis. Speaking of Derek Lewis, we are on to the main event. <laughs> Finally made it. 12 down. Battle of the drumsticks. <laughs> I can feel it coming. <laughs> So Popeye's finally got on board, took our advice here at Lappy. We know they're listening. We know they've subscribed. Derek Lewis is officially sponsored for life in his hometown. If Derek Lewis wins, his hometown of Houston gives free Popeye's from two to four. I love it. Get behind it. You better be on posters. Derek Lewis coming off a short notice beating Volkov, which we said here at Lappy. Volkov's gonna should win this fight, but Derek Lewis has that third round finishability nonstop. Interesting thing about this fight is that both fighters are suspect for it. They're both fighting on short notice. This was Dustin Poirier, Nate Diaz, Valentina Shevchenko, Eubanks, JJ Eubank, freaking who else? <laughs> who else was thrown in here? But we ended up getting. It moved from Las Vegas because Vegas would not allow Daniel Cormier to fight in Vegas specifically because his hand was too hurt to fight Stipe, but not Derek Lewis. Remember that? Uh-huh. Derek Lewis is also like, I fought that same night, and uh, he had a strike disadvantage record set on his body in that fight against Volkov. How does he not have two to three months off? He's fighting within a 30-day period of that both of these fighters are. They were on the same freaking fight card, essentially. Well, only a couple weeks apart, or... Was that didn't hurt. One? Yep. That didn't hurt. So these I guys... I was just tired. I didn't even feel him punching me in the third round. I was just tired. <laughs> we know with Derek Lewis what we get. We've talked about it nonstop. No cardio. Big power. Throws that overhand right. One other thing that, with that black explosive athleticism, is that Derek Lewis has nothing but heart, but throws a jumping switch kick, which we saw again against Volkov. Derek Lewis is athletic, and he throws that all the time. If Daniel Cormier has something that he is vulnerable to, it is a left kick to the side of the head. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. John Jones! Said, I'm going to hit you with a leg kick across your face. And Cormier was like, you ain't going to hit me in my head with a kick. Derek Lewis throws that kick. I'm just calling me crazy. So, with that, Daniel Cormier, Olympian, champ champ, double champ, a.k.a. mega champ, your mom's champ, everybody's champ. Popeye's might take him. Not Popeye's champ. Not Popeye's champ. He's fighting for the KFC championship, hopefully. Hopefully, KFC, if you listen to KFC, you get in on this before two nights from now on Saturday. Because you don't want Derek Lewis to win. He's already sponsored by Popeye's. Exactly. You need the KFC king to come in himself, which I guess is actually Mark Hunt is known as the KFC king. Oh, shit. So... 
Mark Hunt's going to be challenging for the winner of this. Well, Mark Hunt already beat Derek Lewis in a TKO'd him. This fight, everybody knows what's going to happen. Daniel Cormier is going to use his wrestling to get this to the ground. Derek Lewis cannot get off of his back against the D1 wrestler. He's done it against other guys because he frames off of the armpit, pushes up, and uses athleticism into the second, third, fourth, and fifth round. That's not going to happen. But I don't necessarily think it's even going to get there because Daniel Cormier is a true professional and understands that he needs to get finishes to get paid more money. And he's been doing that. He finished Dibé Miocic. He's felt better. Not depending on what you say looked better. He's definitely blowing out a couple belts. But everybody that all of the information I've heard is in the gym, he looks better than he's ever looked his entire career. Now that he's not cutting any time a weight, which 205 was hard for Daniel Cormier. He's just not, he doesn't have that six-pack body. He's got that biscuit body, but the Doughboy hits back hard. And this is a fan-friendly fight. We have a lot of them. I see a finish. I see it early in the second or third round. It's just, where does Daniel Cormier, if Rumble Johnson ain't knocking you out with a kick and a punch, and I believe Rumble Johnson turned Daniel Cormier's nose to the side of his face with a kick, DC still took him down and ended up beating him, and that's where Johnson was like, all right, I'm done. This is the first... Stipe didn't really get too many shots in on DC before. I think DC or Stipe disrespected DC striking a little. I don't think uh, Derek Lewis is going to be disrespecting DC striking. And DC, I keep hearing this is his first test of a real heavyweight. This is his first test of a person that's really cutting down to 265. And we also know that Derek Lewis has knockout power the whole entire fight. 100%. No matter what. Like you were saying about the Volkov fight, I didn't even think it was possible for somebody to take so much damage and then still have the kind of power to drop someone. I'm wondering if the kind of strikes that... In DC, he says, I'm not trying to... I'm not sleeping on Derek. I know he's capable of knocking me out at any time. If he's true on that, DC, easy, breezy, beautiful walks through this. I even think that um, Derek Lewis could be susceptible to getting knocking out by the shorter guy. Mark Hunt being the proof. Like, that might be DC's thing. He's popping up at the guy, setting him right square in the jaw. Dunsville. Um, I'm just nervous. If anywhere DC decides to play with this, I he might be used to taking punches to the face that don't knock him out. It's only the kick everyone talks about being able to knock him out, a kick being able to wobble DC. I think Derek Lewis could knock DC out with a punch or two. And it just makes me very nervous. So if smart DC goes in, which I think he's going to, because one of his hands is probably broken, like that sketches I, me out. So he can't has finish. that type of excuse this fight. Either guy, because Derek Lewis has had a bad back since when? We talked about it his last off vocal fight a month ago. He says his back is good these days. And good. he's lost some weight and doing blah, 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 whatever. Good for him. Uh, it's the obvious choice is DC and that he figures out a way to either ground and pound or Derek Lewis gives up his back for a submission in round two. That being said, I think you have a card with Derek Lewis on it interesting like uh just a contrarian play i think this is that michael bisping moment in my opinion this is a greedy play on dc's part 
to get fast money when he in undervaluing a fucking UFC caliber fighter. That's what I think. And so in life, when you tend to make decisions based on money, especially in the UFC, you get fucked every time. Every time, whether anytime people try to squeeze in for that extra few million or that extra few hundred thousand or, yeah, I can take another fight by the end of the year. Like that person's a slayer. And not that Derek Lewis is that caliber. We know he doesn't have this huge skill set. We know exactly what we get from Derek Lewis. He's like a jack in the box. You don't know. Didding, 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 didding. How happy I would be if Derek Lewis won this fight. I might cry. I might cry because I'd be so happy because. Daniel Cormier, as big of a class act as he is, he's openly talked about like, hey, a black man in this country who has a who's been to prison doesn't come back. This guy's has a family and has a job. And he's made it good for him. Class act. So just to see what Derek Lewis has come back from, I might shed a tear just to be proud. I love Derek. It is his time. If it's a rocky moment, it, Derek Lewis is shot. Out of nowhere, it's like, oh, all of a sudden the champ's like, oh, I'll fight you. Okay. And it's like how much are you going to pay me? And free Popeyes? The I'm other thing, baby. yeah, and DC, DC's going to be all right. Oh, for sure. DC's going to be all right. This moment is going to be, this is like life-changing for Derek Lewis. Agreed. I think it's awesome. And, I love yeah. your greedy point of view on this because it is overextending yourself, putting your hand in that cookie jar too much, yeah, eventually like get caught. Madison Square Gardens, New York Times, uh-huh. you're doing when it for fame and money. Fame and money. You're yeah. going in with one hand against the Black Beast, a true heavyweight, who outweighs you by 25 pounds right now. I don't know. I don't know. I just think karma is a bitch, and she ain't fighting tonight. So 9,600 for Daniel Cormier against 6,600 for Derek Lewis. How often do you think you're going to play either one of these fighters? I'll obviously have DC on, on co- more cards. For sure. Because DC's worth is... DC can lay out a whole fight. We could watch four rounds of DC and he could still get knocked out in the fifth. That's the dangerous part of yep. Derek Lewis. And none of us... We've seen Derek Lewis get knocked out by Mark Hunt. But other than that, we've seen the guy just take so much yeah. torture. I think Mitrione and Sean Jordan also got... Derek Lewis out of there. But those guys are heavy hitters as well. Notoriously heavy hitters. This might be our biggest Lesbo and the Bean one episode. We're already over an hour and a half. Easy. But that's the quality content you guys be getting. I definitely am excited for this. I feel like I have a ton of plays, a ton of options. I have underdogs for days. We have multiple options Boom, and like Kelleher or with. Monteferi. Those are the two that we've definitely been on. I don't know who else was a big underdog that we both liked. Um, it ended up being... I mean, Derek Lewis. Oh, just for... Rinaldi is an honorable mention in there, potentially, against mm-hmm. Knight. Yeah. That's a close He's a good fight. wager gauger. I could see that as well. Same with potentially Marias. And... There's some fun, fun fights. People have been crapping on this nonstop. We're going to have fights after this week. We're going to keep bringing it to you. Don't shit on this fight card. Don't sleep on this fight card. You guys are going to be upset. I guarantee you. We're going to come back Sunday for your Monday ears. Tell you how it went. And we're going to be happy about it. Guarantee. Yes. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. That's more than me. Thanks for listening to Let Be. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, head over to lesboandthebean.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.